to Gear and Beer. Today, our guest is Corey Congilio. Corey, thanks for driving all the hell of the way up here, man. Salute, it's a, brother. It's a, it's a long way, and we're thankful to have you. Yeah. Cheers. Glad to be here. Lyndon McCarty, twisting and tweaking, as all right. always. And you know how, how lucky you are to have an assistant. Well, you know, he's more he's more of a he's more of a the what's how, what's the kindest way to put this? Oh, oh, co-conspirator. He, he's uh he's the gears. I'm just the grease. Okay, you know what I'm saying? I get it. I get it. It's colorful. Yeah. Well, I was trying to come up with a good way to say that. Some, sometimes the words they escape me, as listeners and watchers of this podcast will know. In Wizard of Oz, you're the face of the wizard. I'm the the guy behind the curtain right. pulling the strings. Right. Never mind that, man. Except for the editing, because you do all that. Yeah, except for all the work. Except for all the work. <laughs> all, everything else. <laughs> anyway, now that we pulled the curtain back a little bit. no, um, Man, so you brought your you brought your guitar and your pedal board. Yeah. We did a little jam. It was awesome. We haven't, yeah, we we had haven't fun. played the chicken in forever, man. Yeah. Um, it's good picking with you. It was likewise good picking with you. Heck we definitely yeah. need to do that more often. I, You know, every time... We do that. Everybody's like, man, that was so much fun. We got to do this more often. And the only time I ever do that is right before this podcast. You know, everybody's busy working, launching websites, uh, producing sessions, going on the road. Uh, I'm doing, I'm not producing any sessions, play sessions, playing downtown, Mm -hmm. playing on the road. And uh, sometimes it's just hard to get together with people and play for fun. You know, it's hard to just have a beer with somebody. So That's you're all... accomplishing both here. Hey, cheers. <laughs> Salute indeed. Yeah. Um well I I wanted to start with like talking about your background, but my the question on my Anything mind is what kind of practice regimen do you have? Oh, or do gosh. you just get your practice through creating content? Um, it's it's a little bit of both. Um You don't sit down and be like, today it's third mode of melodic minor until i've got it where i want it oh, gosh no because that mean i'd have to really study it well um, yeah i know it's hard <laughs> well what's funny is when you do what here's the thing all of that shit doesn't matter when you're playing guitar for a living and i'm going to say i want to validate it this way if okay. you're playing guitar for a living and you're your own your own artist that makes use of a melodic minor scale sure then it's valuable to know it and i'm not saying it's not valuable but when you're playing three chords in the truth, like we have done, Amen. you got to shift your focus to how good can I make these three chords and everything I play within them? Like totally. I get, I bet if you took the most heavy jazz guitar player and you said, we're going to put you on a Kenny Chesney song right now, they'd drop it in a heartbeat. Just like I would drop playing giant steps. Sure. Do you know what I mean? It's the same I'd thing. I'd just drop playing both. <laughs> <laughs> no. So anyway, my practice regimen is like what you're saying. I'm thinking about what am I going to teach on? Let's make sure I really have that because I have to have it here in my hands, but I have to have it here and then I have to have it here so I don't sound like an idiot when I'm talking about it. Um, and for instance, I was just like brushing up on you know, some arpeggios recently because I'm going to go deeper into that with some of my online, some of my videos and really make sure people know what the heck they're doing with them. Sure. Um, because from to me, that's how I play. I don't, I'm not a modal player. I'm a key center player. Let's get real nerdy, you know. So that means basically I'm more arpeggio driven than I am modal. I'm with you. Driven. So that's I feel like you can't know that enough. There was a time when I'd put like iReal book on my iPad and put like a foggy day on and just walk through arpeggios through every chord 
just because I do that with every standard that I'm trying yeah, to learn. Exactly. And I don't even play standards, but if, it's the best. If you practice. can't make the changes, it doesn't matter if yeah. you know melodic minor or not. It, exactly right. You're exactly right. You can Because you can, all of that stuff works mostly in my opinion if you're playing blues and dominant seven driven shit. You know. Totally. We just went there. Well, yeah. and you know, it's like if there there are certainly very hip and like very correct ways to use those kinds of things yeah. where you're making the changes or implying yeah, certain key absolutely. centers or, and things like that. But like all the players that I love hearing play like that and guys that really know what they're doing, yeah. like they they spent the hours, right? As well as it's like hours on top of that, and like yeah, I I find myself going back and forth between uh, just. Melodic minor specifically, I just find myself grappling with it because the sounds that it creates, and I do some jazz work, and the yeah. the music that I am creating on my own, and which will hopefully be out pretty soon, um, like lends itself to that cool that, some of that color. I mean, it's like it's not like fusion, and like I, I did the fusion thing into the fusion thing. Sure. Still like to play it. That's not what this is. It's like uh, you know. Just colors, you know. Yeah. But, but there's just a few chords, but you, there's there's room for colors, and that's like it's how I hear music. You know. The interesting I mean? thing is, it melodic minor up a half step, or is it altered scale? Well, it depends because do you, they don't both work at all time. Well, how do you think about like because you can play a G seven but play a flat melodic minor, which is the same as G altered. You know, it's not exactly some, the same. There's a couple of different scale steps. It's so I'm going to get it. <laughs> Um, so like G7 and the melodic minor would be G melodic minor or what's your what, a, what melodic minor are you playing against it uh, a, 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 flat, a flat melodic minor a flat melodic mm-hmm. but the altered scale would the the, the the E instead of the E flat no that's uh that's half whole diminished oh yeah I'm yeah. sorry that's right that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking half yeah, whole. You're, yeah, you're thinking there's one note that differentiates it, See, and, that's, and that's where that is. <laughs> you know. But So my point is, my question is, though, is like all that stuff, the lines get very blurred be- between what you can call it and what you consider it. Sure. You know, so, you know, you can take the arpeggios of that melodic minor scale, you know, like if you're playing G altered, which is A flat melodic minor, you know, you can play a D flat seven arpeggio sure and that's kind of cool like if you're playing in g d flat because now we approach the four chord from a half step away but that's like i didn't know that's what that was Mm -hmm. i just you know well neither did Probably most of the people that were just now listening. And I don't now have a handle on a it. I don't have a handle on it. I just know that that's, that's not shit. what I just heard. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that that shit exists. And I have to learn, like, you know, what I did the other day was I wrote down every arpeggio in all 12 keys of the melodic minor. So it was like, you know, major minor seven, minor seven, major uh, seven sharp five, dominant, dominant, minor seven, flat five. Back to the one, I think it is. If I named all this correctly, minor seven, two minor seven two, flat fives, two minor seven flat five, right? Yeah. And then oh, back yes. to the yeah. six and seven, right? Six and seven, exactly. So I, w- I was like, shit, this is. It's cool if you know that. What else? Like, if you if you understand that, you're pretty far fucking ahead of the game. I mean, you know and, I mean? Like, and honestly, pretty, it's pretty badass. That it it is because that, like you're just talking about. That's 
where I find the most use out of that stuff yes. is finding the yeah. functionality of the chords inside the scale mm-hmm. as opposed to just being able to play it three notes per string or yeah. in yeah. position or yeah. you know or whatever the fuck. But that stuff is still important too. If you find yourself in the middle of a run and you're like, oh, what's that sound I've been hearing? Oh, it's like boom. Then your hands just yeah. your hands there because you spent the hour the you know yeah. the mindless practice. Which I say it's mindless. It's really not. It should be done mindfully, but right. it it's. It's not the fun kind of practice, you right? Know? It's, no, no, it's no. Not it's not the application. It's the it's the mu- muscle it's, memory. It's literally like going to the gym. Exactly. You don't go. You don't go to the gym just to walk around and pick up five pound weights that you can lift for all day. You get your ass kicked, hopefully. And the same thing happens in the practice room. And I have a hard time now with all the distractions. Like if I can get a half an hour to forty five minutes to an hour in in the morning, which just means I'm getting up earlier and earlier these days. That's that's great. But then I have to divide that time. Like I have a show coming up where I got to learn songs. So that that takes that chunk, you know, um, and it's about dividing what's important at the moment. You can always come back to that stuff because somebody's not holding a gun to my head saying I'm going to pay you for this gig if you name me all the modes of the melodic mind. Like, exactly. So that doesn't happen, so I can, I can let that rest for today. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's cool. Though. All- I, I always wonder, guys that I see, uh, you know, and this is actually the first time we've met, I think, isn't it? Officially, yeah. Yeah, we've certainly talked before, but, uh, you, you know, guys like you, who I see with such, like, tasteful playing and, like, like real like functional knowledge of oh, of, of theory and stuff like mm-hmm. that like I, I just i'm always curious like okay is that just an innate thing or is that something that someone spent some time on you know and yeah. like can they keep it are they eric gales or they just roll out of bed and can do whatever or you know what i mean those those guys are rare but they exist and they you totally just never do. know no i'm i'm not I, I everything i got i got from getting bruised up you know and sweating and bleeding and all that stuff I think that's um, and having my ass kicked and in whatever and spending time transcribing a Mike Stern solo and spending time transcribing a John Schofield solo spending tra- time you know, transcribing in general is exactly which is useful. what a Whether lot of, enough people a lot of people don't do it really makes sure. you you know because like people say well how do, they say like how do I get my vibrato to sound like Albert King I was like how many Albert King solos have you learned and they're like, and I was like, and how have many- you tuned your guitar down a minor third? <laughs> right. That's what he did. <laughs> but like, how did you like spend hours trying to get that to sound like it? And then I remember when I heard him and I was like, oh, that's where Stevie Ray Vaughan got it. Oh, so he spent all that time. So I was like, I guess I have to do that too. You know? Well, yeah. It's just like, how come I can't do this immediately? Yeah. And I get pissed off when I can't do stuff immediately. It's, Dude, I mean, it's well, up. it's one thing, uh, somebody like you who clearly just, as you just laid out understands how you you get to that point um and just as many things as again you're talking about you're 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 putting out content where you're literally teaching people about yeah. all this shit so you clearly spent the time so i bet it is frustrating when you're come you come upon something where it's like well shit uh i'm not the teacher now so what, yeah. what the hell you know well it's and then also you look at a guy like you know these freaks like joe robinson or somebody like that who does wake out of bed and can can put together a finger style arrangement of something amazing you're like how does he know how to do that like I, I don't get it you know him and bukovac and yeah. all those kinds I, yeah of guys. i mean i and jerks not all, jerks all of them like i had to going back to the practice thing like i didn't go to music school 
like you know so i had to like this guy did fuck this guy <laughs> so i could had could you to, not like, tell when i named the last two arpeggios of <laughs> nerd that was a giveaway <laughs> no i i so when i started teaching i said i got to figure out what the fuck this stuff is cuz somebody's going to ask me totally well yeah props to you for that uh, so the question that I originally wanted to ask you, which I like to ask people, especially ones that I don't know well, is like, uh, for, where are you from, man? Where are you from? First so time. I grew up in a little town in western New Jersey called Phillipsburg, New Jersey. Okay. I definitely have not heard It of is um, in the Lehigh Valley. So Alle- Allentown, Bethlehem, Easton. Okay. It's like the Jersey bastard child of that. It's like a town without a state because I could throw a rock out your window and hit Pennsylvania. Like, that's right, how close yeah. we are. I've been so to the Allentown Airport. Yeah, uh, which is better than it used to be. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was there till I was about 18. And then I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. So I lived in Pittsburgh for a long time. And that's did how I met a lot Ford of... Ford in Pittsburgh? I did. That's okay. where I met Ford. Okay. So I've known Ford Thurston since I was... Since he was before, since before he was Ford Thurston. Um, <laughs> and I've known him since I was 18. I used to change the guitar, his guitar strings... And I used to roadie for his band. Oh, right on. Yeah. So he was five or six years older than me. And I was. No, he's a, definitely old. I was. <laughs> don't tell him that. I will. He's fighting, pushing back. Oh, he knows. But um, that's kind of how. And, and what was cool is that town, like many of that time, had a vibrant blues, jazz, and R&B thing where you're playing those three hour a night gigs and you're, you're playing. But you 345s, not three hours straight. Oh, God, no. Yeah, not, I mean, not, not the Nashville crucifixion. No, no gig. Not, I played no. a four-hour straight private gig last night. Oof, it was a lot. I, that's that sounds like a lot. I'm but anyway, sorry. but there no, but that's how that's kind of what happened. And actually, this is my second tour in Nashville. I lived here once in the early two thousands. Oh, okay. Um, moved away, um, then came back. Go? Went back to Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. It was a weird time. Um, some the bottom dropped down on a couple gigs and jobs. And I went back to Pittsburgh and started teaching, and then I used to play in a swing band up there, and I got back in that band, and it was, that was one of the most fun bands I was ever in, I have to say. I mean... When you say swing band, do you mean like old big band stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was everything. We played everything from... I didn't know if you meant like Bob Wills, or... No, we... I'm from Texas, I assume. Right. I hear swing band, I think Bob Wills, but... No, the band was called Dr. Zoot. And Copy that. it was everything. From, I mean, we wore suits. I had a grab Callaway. We did all stuff. that stuff. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We did Minnie the Moocher. We had this thing where we did Minnie the Moocher into Sing Sing Sing, and I would jump out on the powered powered subwoofer, and the singer would throw his hat. And there was a lot of times where I'd catch it on my head, like you know. So we're like, <laughs> and I brought the setzer. I play. I played it like Rumble in Brighton. And they're that's cool. Yeah, it was. It was three horns, guitar, bass, drums, keys, and we did all the arrangements to like the Frank stuff to the letter, you know. And it was that's cool. I mean, if you didn't know a two five one by the time you left that gig, that was on you. Yeah, right. But what's cool was like the horn guys. The one time I was in there, the the um, the trombone player, um, Reggie Watkins. He played with. Um, he was a band leader for Maynard Ferguson. Oh, um, another trombone guy that came in there was Ken Prouty. He went to North Texas, and I remember like arguments over like that name sounds familiar. Chords, you know, with this guy like vehemently arguing about one chord or another. Like he would, spelling of chords. No, I'm like sorry, just... is it a nine sus or is it an eleven? Like things oh, like that. Copy. Those kinds of things. And he would say things like, 
okay, nobody tapped their foot. And it's because we were all, we had to all listen to our internal swing. Because if we're all tapping our foot, it's like a drum, you start 10 drum machines at the same yeah. time. It's going to flam at some point. So little things like that. But I remember I came here. Cool. I, I moved here. I was in the band. I left town, came here, went back, joined the band. And he was one of the first ones that complimented me on the growth of my playing. And from him, who's a North Texas guy going to pit for his those. doctorate, I was like very thankful for that. But we'd play all that. That stuff was the probably the best teacher for me because you're playing – you know, uh, stormy weather and you're playing one, six, two, five for 12 minutes. You know what I mean? So you get to practice all that stuff because 12 minutes, because the singer would go out and talk and introduce the band and all that shit. I mean, we'd go to Vegas. We went to, no, we go to Vegas. We went to Atlantic city. We did a lot of like Key West. We'd go down there and play like fantasy fest and all that shit. So it was fun. You know, that's cool, man. It was a great gig. Did you, uh, just talking about Pittsburgh, like how, how uh, what age were you like in the scene, like in bands making any kind of money? Um, like, I'm, you know, in my 20s, in my 20s for the most part. Um, uh, same for me, you know, too. I just some people like get into that shit when they're like 15 and 16. Like, I wasn't that, I didn't young. know that shit existed. Yeah, neither I did I, neither did I. Um, but Pittsburgh had a really good rock scene there. We'd have this club where original bands you'd play it and be five six seven hundred people there to hear original music yeah. and i was in a couple of those bands ford had a, a really popular band at the time his was one of the most popular bands in town there's another band there called the clarks that's had a 30-year career uh, i mean straight up touring band 30 years you know you've only heard of them if you've been from that part of the world you right, know? Right. rusted root was from there oh, okay. uh, a band called the gathering field had a deal in atlantic at the time um so lots of stuff was happening in pittsburgh it was pretty wild that's dope man. yeah it was fun it was like um it was like you could almost t- touch it you know like you were that close when did you start playing guitar i was 13 13. i played saxophone and my my dad and my uncle before guitar yeah my dad and all my uncles played guitar but they were not musical family would you say it was but only on paper there was no like uh partridge family isms at all nobody got around together and played you know everybody everybody was kind of uh had an instrument and could perform it. Yeah, but uh, but didn't they? They were rather estranged from each other. Oh, let's just say that. that. So, yeah, but each one was like progressively better. And my dad was the oldest. He played guitar and bass. Then as they got younger, they got better. So now I'm the one that, that, that has one. the career. So I made it this far. Hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> well, I, again, based on everything that I've heard and all your cool YouTube videos and like again, really functional knowledge oh, that man, you're thanks. that you're giving out there, like. He and, I, he and I tried to get into that game, and I realized pretty quickly that teaching people something that I can do in person, mm-hmm. but like it's a very different thing to come up with uh, how to get that content across just to yeah. the camera, you know? I had I had uh, some good experiences. Um, when I lived in Pittsburgh, I got hired by Fishman oh. to be like their demo guy slash... Was Ford of- a part of that? No. Didn't, did Ford work for Fishman? No. Um, Who am I thinking of? No, I got I had that gig in like oh seven. Okay. And um here's a funny thing. I'm in Pittsburgh. I was gonna say this. And Ford would say it if he was he would here. I moved to Nashville before everybody in Pittsburgh. I came back, they all moved down to Nashville. I was like, You motherfuckers. I was like, <laughs> I was here all by myself. You guys moved down six or seven of you in a goddamn house. I was in there scraping <laughs> by, doing gigs fifty dollars a night in Antioch. 
playing um, at the Blues Hideaway, which was kind of awesome. <laughs> sounds <laughs> pretty a, awesome. It was actually really fun, but it was $50 a night. Back hard in, hard to know, live on $50 a night at, yeah. at any point in time. Yeah. Um, I remember I had a FedEx gig packing trucks or unloading trucks, and I took the... Once I got that $50 a night gig, I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> anyway, so I moved down, come back to Pittsburgh. They all moved to Nashville. I was like, son of a bitch. Then I start doing like the the music industry instrument game, and I'm in, I'm in that like three, four years before anybody I know. We were doing... Fishman was doing video demos of pedals way before anybody else. Yeah, they seem to always be kind of ahead of the game there. I, they I were. Like I remember seeing that, you know, what, like late 2000s, right? Uh, be It would be mid to probably mid, mid 2000s, mid-2000s? probably 2010-ish, somewhere around there. I and, just remember Greg, I uh, saw from Dallas, and I've, yeah. been, I've been playing at that guitar show since I was 15 yeah. years old, and I just remember Greg Koch sitting on the Fishman stage yeah. and doing like clinics and stuff so imagine me doing that four or five years before he was doing that. right on okay that's and did you ever come to the dallas show with fishman not with that no okay Mm-mm. um so i was Have doing you been to the dallas show i was there one time i was hanging out in the guitar sanctuaries booth okay and i was teaching people how to use the Oxbox. Well, yeah. i, I will get to the Oxbox. i'm sorry <laughs> i interrupted tell you, you whatever you want to know whatever i know you can know but um no so that's what got me What's funny was they were like, we're going to this place in St. Petersburg, Florida, and they're going to shoot these videos, and you're going to be the face of them. I'm like, okay. So I had no idea how to demo a product, right? But I had like my own like inner Ryan Seacrest in me. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so I demo like some of their products, and I go to this place, and I see all these pictures of guitar players around. The producer's really nice. And after we shoot, they're like, you know, this isn't what we really do. I was like, okay. They're like, do you teach? And I was like, I teach like 60 students a week in like a closet in Pittsburgh. And uh, I know that game. Yeah. And they're like, well, we do online guitar lessons. And it was the first place. It was the first headquarters of True Fire. Oh, okay. So True Fire was shooting these product videos and they had the infrastructure in place online where they could track views and analytics and all that kind of stuff. This is 2007 to 10. So it wasn't as wow. popular. Wow. Yeah. That's ahead of the game right Way there. Way ahead of the game. Sure. Yeah. If you're doing analytics on oh, yeah. on viewership for guitar lesson videos yeah. in 2007 or 10 or whatever. So, yeah. So Fishman hooks up with them and we do, they could see who's watching the products and all that kind of shit. So I keep a relationship with them. And then about a couple years later, we, they, it was funny. This story always comes up, but I'm playing acoustic guitar and doing this delicate shit and being real nice and soft and saying, oh, Spectrum does this and blah, blah, blah. And they thought I was like a singer songwriter, which I would fancy myself out on any given day, but sure. I'm an electric guitar player at the heart of it. And they said, we want you to do an acoustic songwriter course. And I was like, cool. I'd say, I was brought up, say yes to everything. You know, so I said, okay, they flew me down. We did a course. It was okay. We weren't going to do anything with it. They said, Hey, we can't take you to dinner tonight, but you're going to go with so-and-so. And he has a blues jam. If you want to go to that. And I was like, cool. Can I borrow a guitar? And they're like, for what? And I was like, no, I, I play blues. I want to sit in with those guys. They're like, okay. So <laughs> they take me there. I go, I sit in the report comes back that Corey, you know, murdered. <laughs> and they said, why aren't you doing a blues course with us? And I was like, I don't know. They said, send us some video right now of you playing if you have any. So I had a couple things on YouTube, and I sent it to them, and they called up, and they said, 50 Texas Blues Licks You Must Know. That's your course. We'll see you in six months, pretty much. I had no idea what I was doing. So I went to their channel, and I watched a bunch of videos to see what everybody did. 
and I watched my buddy Jeff Mackerlane and Robbie Calvo and, and those guys, how they presented, and I started modeling myself after them. And we sh- I, they fly down, I shoot the course, they're like, this is going to be fucking awesome. Remember, this is like 2010, so this is you know a long time ago now. Yeah. And um, I remember the course launching, it was like the week of my birthday, and they soft launched stuff on like a Wednesday, and then they pushed the sales on the weekend. And it's it soft launched with like seven hundred sales before it even hit the weekend. And I remember making like seven grand in the first like month from that course. Hell yeah! And I paid off this massive credit card bill <laughs> I had, and I was like, fuck, you know. So, but that was that's awesome. That was bro. the start of it for me, you know. I, okay, I didn't really, I didn't realize you were. Uh part of the inception of the game i'm an og man no but doubt, i'll be honest no. since we get real i pushed back against it i didn't i want to say i didn't like i like the money but i didn't like it because i wanted to be a touring and session musician sure to me that was what made you a real musician and some people will still argue that now it's whatever feeds they're, my they're family <laughs> they are wrong <laughs> yeah because Old heads, man. Yeah, I, that's the thing, man. Anytime I catch myself being an old head, I'm like, I'm dude, you're way. being old, bro. Shut up. Yeah, and I'm that way sometimes, but um, I, I not so much anymore. You know. So fast forward to, you know, I don't. Know, I have I have 19 True Fire courses, and awesome. after like the 17th or 18th one, I met my friend Brett Papa, and Brett said we could be even more successful. You're leaving about, you said you're, you're operating with like 25% right now. And he was like, I can show you the way he's like, buy a camera and we'll make it happen. You guys are definitely (laughs) running the game around here for sure. Uh, and I've not met Brett either, but he and I have talked many times and we've been trying to get him out here too, man. Um, great dude, great player, great content. Uh, you know, that's, it's a, there's many more dimensions to the game. There, there is more now than ever, and if you look at it, people on the coasts were ahead of it. Brett, Brett, kind of brought up Tim Pierce in some ways. You know, guys like Pete Thorne. Yeah. Then totally. you got on the on the East Coast, Pete and Tim especially. Those are the oh, two, yeah. the first two that I remember right. seeing doing that. Show. Now, now I know for a fact that that. Brett and Tim like kind of work together on some stuff. They have courses together and whatnot. Sure. So they used to do the 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 show together. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, and then you take a guy like under the radar, destroying it, Michael Palmasano uh, in Maryland. Um, his his web cha- his channel is called Guitar Gate. Um, guys like that. Guys here like Eric Andreas, your guitar sage, over seven hundred thousand YouTube subscribers. Wow. You know. He and I have products out together. Like, so there's people on the periphery of the music industry that were just like, you know what, we're going to go in this lane that's like completely wide open and kill it, you know, and they are. And I've learned and how you to, are. well, I, I, I'm, I'm like mutilating it. I don't know if I'm killing it. <laughs> oh, no, bro. It's dead. <laughs> Dear and beer. I mean, I guess there's no time like the present to get into the the ox thing. Okay, you were the first person that I saw using it on uh, Instagram, talking about it, and by design. To well, okay, <laughs> to a lesser extent, YouTube, and I was like, so you you clearly had some sort of professional relationship with UA at some at some point. Another another lesson in keep the relationships that you have fresh for many many years because you never know in this business who's going to be working for where. Sure. When. So, I worked at Fishman 
a guy there was a fellow who is the national sales manager who there was a, there was a lineage of of guys who worked in they call it MI in the okay. music in the music instrument industry sure and one is my dear friend who got me the job at um, at Fishman um, and he ran with a couple guys they all worked at line six together okay. those guys all spread out and started working for UA eventually not all in one fell swoop they all kind of lily pad jumped you know around to some sure, things. Sure. and the guy who's a friend of mine at ua used to be the line six rep here and i met him 20 right. years ago here he tried to get me a gig in in florida he said hey do you speak spanish i said no he's like all right bye i'll call you back you know <laughs> and i knew what that meant he wanted me to do line six shit for him in, in miami or whatever which yeah. would have been fucking awesome yeah that, you know? <laughs> presumably sure. i've not been to miami he's one of one of my places that I have not been. I've been to a lot of places. Yeah, I've been in, in and out of there. Not enough to get in trouble, but in any case, <laughs> like um, yeah, right. Um, so he, a guy I worked at at Fishman, another guy I knew who worked at Line Six. They, they all went to UA, and then ultimately James Santiago goes to UA, who worked at Line Six and was integral working with George Trips and all those guys at Line Six in all the early modeling stuff. Sure. Um, so you know I'm I'm in and out of touch with those guys and I was trying to come up with a solution to use amps and not mic and I didn't my thought was with any modeling gear it's going to be obsolete in some fashion um doesn't matter what it is fractal Kemper helix they're all going to be kaput someday they're just plastic boxes you know amps are living breathing things to me they have Shit going through them. You yeah, know? yeah. You know, to me, there's personality in an amplifier. There's someone's personality in there. That's like, a great way to put it. Delana's bully coats in that room has her personality in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, totally. my two rocks have Eli's personalities in them. You know, it's like he hears it a certain way. She hears it a certain way. I want that to come through my studio monitors. Yeah. I don't want that in a fucking profile. Yeah. You know, so. So I was like, I got to figure this out. So a friend of mine, who it's so connected, my friend at Digitech, well, he's actually at Harmon, but the Harmon owned Digitech. He said, you got to watch Pete Thorne's videos on load boxes and IRs. And I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> so he had a Sur reactive load yeah. and a two notes. You per- had one of those, Lyndon, right? Uh, I had a, yeah, I had the reactive load, the yeah. second gen one. Right. Yeah. The, which was the reactive load. Yeah. So they I had, originally just had, I the, had the reactive load and a two, no- two notes torpedo cap. Okay. And it worked and it sounded great. So I thought I had this like revelatory rig. I go to the NAM show here and they're soft launching the Oxbox and I didn't know about it. I run into my buddy, his name's Spanky's, legendary dude at UA and great guitar player out of Atlanta. And I said, Hey, it's great to see you. I was like, I got this rig happening right now. It's awesome. He's like, Wait do you see what we have? And it was the ox, so it was everything. It was the load box. It was the – I'm not going to say IRs because they're not IRs. And I got the demo. In 30 seconds, I turned to him, and I said, I need to be your demo guy. And he was like, okay. And I was like, I can tell this story. Trust me. So I lobbied really hard. They they called me, and they're like, can you send like an audition, You know, like a video of yourself? And I was like, it's all on YouTube. Go look. And they said, you got it. And they sent me an Oxbox. Me and Sean Tubbs were the only ones in Nashville that had an Oxbox. And Sean was doing a video, and he was also deep diving, trying like a 57 and a 121 against the Ox, and the difference was negligible. Um, me, I was the you know 
Vanna White of the <laughs> uh, if your listeners aren't old enough, that's a gal that spun the letters on Wheel of Fortune. Uh, <laughs> they're they're younger than I expected them to be. No, so um, I'm trying to think of uh, put any you know anybody. Back. I remember those videos uh, yeah. that particularly like the ones that I, I was watching Sean's videos when I was living in Chicago uh-huh. years ago, and I remember when he started putting out stuff with the Ox. Yeah, and then. You see, eventually, he's only putting out stuff right. with the ox. He right. clearly liked it enough to, because he used to just yeah. do stuff. Roy, like the 121 is he still using that? Because he's just doing the rev stuff now. Yeah, that I mean, little and they D20 have twenty or whatever. Yeah, I don't know about now. And, and the rev stuff has IRs available with it too, so he's probably doing that. But it sounds really good. Uh, he's another amazing guy, yeah, a super is. cool dude. Why? Uh, why do you say that it's not an IR? Because it's not. Um, what it is, it's something that they call um, dynamic speaker modeling. Okay. So what happens is U- UA has their own brand of modeling that they use in all of their stuff. And dynamic speaker modeling, the model actually reacts to how your amplifier is reacting because a speaker would do like that. A, yeah. As a speaker gets hot, it reacts a certain way. And that's what the aux does that a static IR won't do. An IR is a digital snapshot mm-hmm. Of your speaker amplifier at that particular place. An IR is a wave file, right? Yes, yeah. yes, it is. Yeah, I don't know what a dynamic speaker model is, but so it's that's like propri- what I was told. Proprietary it technology. Absolutely is. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's the same idea that they use in all when they model all their plugins and stuff like that. And so you're almost always running stereo with the two of yours, right? I kind of do doing like dual mono. Dual mono. Okay. You know, so I'll run two different vibes to get a thick sound. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Because you're going to do that in the studio anyway. Anyway. Sure. So I kind of do it the same way. Yeah. But I said to them, I was like, I can tell this story. And the thing is, I was like, don't sell your old Marshall by an ox. You know, <laughs> that was my thing. And I use the ox literally every day. Like it's it's a piece of my of my studio. Oh, rig dude, entirely. same. I, I did a session at Sound Emporium yesterday. And I took the. And ox you took with it. Me. Wow, really? <laughs> Last time I was there, we used it. That's awesome. Check this out. Last time I was there, the other guitar player plays a Kemper into the speaker cabinet that he built. I'm sorry. They mic'd that. that, and we went direct out of my ox box. It probably sounded way and, with my real amps. I also had real cabinets, but yeah. yeah. Did you say that they? I'm sorry. What was the first half of that? It was a Kemper with a it was speaker. A they mic'd. And, and to, so it's my buddy Dennis Drummond. And to his credit, it is the best sounding Kemper situation I have ever well, heard. Well, good on him. I Honestly, I, I wanted to hate it. When he does it, it sounds right. Well, there you go. It's, I've tracked with a Kemper. Pl- I, I have Tracking a with the Kemper is not like, what he's doing. He's playing yeah, it through a speaker like a that amp. he built. Yeah. It's like a, it's, or it's a cabinet that his buddy gave him that he put like some sort of yeah. like... Uh, what what's the two hundred watt EV guitar yeah, speaker? Yeah, yeah. Just to get it as flat, but it's yeah. it's not like a it's not a full a full, full range. range speaker. Oh, okay, those sound like garbage to me. Yeah. And this does not. This sounds like a guitar amp. I was doing it somehow, and and I like like that this producer that I used to do like TV cues for and stuff. He had a fractal, and I just went over and I'd plug. He he, he I didn't even take. I took a pick. He had guitars and a fractal. I'd go and he'd. He'd say, "Try this," and I'm like, "Okay." And I took it, a pick. Yeah, <laughs> it was the best load in ever, and and I didn't care. It sounded great. It sounded fine. Yeah, but it's about I buy these things. I want to use them. Well, yeah. you know what I mean? that. So that's that's what ox the ox well, helps me. These do. have with the with the invention of the ox, in my opinion, it gives your amplifier a 
so much more use because you can get all that character and yeah. all that personality like you were talking about. And on a wide range of the knob. Totally. And I'll tell you what sounds really good. Totally. You buy some of these like $1,500 Fenders, Guitar Center, anything with a... I did a video with a Blues Junior the other day into the Ox. Sounded incredible. Like because you can like really push the good. circuitry, yeah. and it's it's weird because the thing that always falls short on those amps is the speaker, cheap, right? Cheap outs on those, man. exactly. So for trying to make them affordable. I played one of those Silver Face reissues through the Ox, like one of my first amps I've ever tried with was it, it. A Princeton or a... it was the Deluxe, and it sounded okay. awesome, like really good. My Princeton through an Ox, incredible. I I sounds, love it, man. Sounds I, great. I, again, I. I take they, it to big, big studios in this town. I'm taking my yeah, ox. They know what they're doing. The at, other at, thing with the ox is that, um, oh, oh, a couple things. One is I remember a quote that from early Hang in on, the podcast. Is that the fan to my computer? It is, yeah. Um, it was that you said you, you've you been drag kicking and screaming into the digital age, and I'm kind of there <laughs> with you. Like, I take it on the road as a necessity, yeah. and obviously we'd all like to bring ours, yeah. you know, like fucking vintage amps. The other thing, though, I was saying about the Ox that's amazing is that Sir Reactive Flow did not have... Was it switchable homage, or was it... Were you stuck the on the stuff that they don't? Not have but like if, if you have a basement or any vintage amp, yeah. like a lot of those are like four ohms, five yeah. ohms. Like I mean, a supers too. Yeah, you know. So, but with, with the aux, you can switch between four, eight, and sixteen, and then you can get away with it on. I don't. I always forget this, but like, if it's four ohm amp, you can run at eight ohms. Is that how it is? And an eight ohm amp, you could run at sixteen. Yeah, you can still. run uh, less into more, but not the other way. Around. Right, 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 right. Exactly. That's what, that's what they say. That's. No, I, I have done both. And I've done it. Luckily, not ruined anything. Yeah. But uh, yeah. do not recommend. And that's the thing. I've run. We both have a seventy-three plexi. I mean, I I run that thing. Fuck. Is it a JMP or is it a... JMP? Yes, okay. it's just like that. The, the fifty-watt joint. I, actually, I have the hundred. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. I actually swapped a chieftain with Bukovac for that. Like my first oh, six really? months in town. So I had a seventy-four fifty-watt that I just sold to Brett Papa, and then I found a seventy-three hundred watt. Here's what was funny. The guy who owns uh, Black Shag Vintage was selling it, and I went over to his place, and I was like, "This thing's fucking clean. It sounds like." And he turned it up, and he was like, "It was like chink chink," and I was like, "That sounds like a Marshall." He barely played anything. He's like, "Are you sure you want this?" And I was like, "I got it. Trust me, because I want to hook this thing into the ox. It's going to be glorious." And you're not going to have and to worry about sounds, blowing your neighbors away. It and sounds <laughs> like, you know, gosh golly, best Marshall tone you ever heard. It's it's perfect. It's so great. this one's weird. Okay. This is what Book told me. He told me that the transformer burned up, and there's a 74 transformer in there. Okay. Presumably out of a Marshall. I didn't, the information I got was a 74 transformer. I assume that he meant out of another JMP. But I don't know that. And I've never had anyone look at it. It's the original glass that he gave to me. Which yeah. It just keeps working. It sounds great. But when I got it, it broke up at like one. Yeah. So... Like, I found a way to use it, and it worked okay. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I was telling my buddy Boo, do you, do you, uh, have you hung with Boo Massey? Yeah. Okay, so I, I know that you, I know he talked to you about Ox at one point. Yeah, that's we, how he got we share gear stuff it. all the time because when I was playing some shows with Lucy Silvis, we opened for Miranda. Okay, right, so right, right. So we right, hung right, out. Right, we right. hung out a fair bit. Yeah. Okay, well, so he was like, you should do what I do with my Germino. He had a Club 40. Yeah. He still does great amps. Um He's like, I have a 12 AU7 in V1. Do that. And I just happened to, 
I was at a point in my life where I was ra- buying random tube lots for like you know forty bucks on. Can't eBay. do that now, right? Uh, I, I don't mean, think so. But where are we going to get tubes from? <laughs> well, these are, these are just like boxes yeah. of like just random stuff, like stuff out of radios, stuff out of organs, yeah. stuff out of PA, like school PAs, all kind of weird shit. Um, I just so I, I happen to have some vintage, nice Sylvania vintage, yeah, twelve AU sevens. I put one in there, and it immediately clean up. It turned it, it turned it into a pedal platform. Oh wow! And my rig along for. A year and a half was this amp into this 112. Wow. And it, it I could play country gigs. I could play jazz gigs. I took it. That's on, awesome. Uh, I was running this and that 65 Pro stereo on, yeah. a, on a jazz gig. Wow. Or like a few. I say jazz. That was a fusion gig. Right. Right. And it, I mean, it was, a game, it was a game changer. That's awesome. Now, I always have it set like that. Yeah. Just yeah, it's crazy. You got that dimed. number. You have that number two. You have them all dimed. Yeah. Oh, it's all dimed. Yeah, it's the Van Halen. Except Van Halen. for yeah, except for oh the no, I, the I don't. Yeah. I don't have any. I thought I. I thought I had some bass dialed in, but I don't. No, um, you don't need bass. You can't use it like that. Yeah, live anywhere that I'm playing usually. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not the the ox is a yeah. game changer in that regard. For, for that, push yeah. all your amps. If they sound good broken up, you can now break can them up it. and you can track it. And it sounds oh, yeah. like you you could have gone to Blackbird or Ocean Way or anywhere you want to go. Absolutely, best studios you can think of. And that's really cool. And UA pisses me off in a whole lot of other different ways. But they got the Oxbox right than a motherfucker. They sure did. Absolutely. Um, well, so we were kind of talking earlier. I, so I'm, I'm running the way I'm running mine into the uh, into the big sky. So I never even considered that. But I, I assume you probably know Ren Anderson. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he was telling me that he puts a Palmer PDI CTC between his aux and his interface. Oh, wait a second. So Ren has an aux? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to call him out because he said it sounded like shit when it first came out. And I was like, he was probably, I was like, that's on you, bro. He was like the rest of us. And He's like, I don't know how it he, sounds with an EL84 amp. I was like, plug it into it and you'll find out. He didn't want to like it. Yeah. I didn't want to like it. I'm talking to you. It. I'm serious. I remember. You out, he Ren. said that, man. You said that to me. He did. And I was like, this is a game changer. When Boo told me about it, I was like, there's no fucking way that that sounds right. I'm not even interested. In, I don't want to hear anything more about it. Here's the thing. And here we are. I'm going to say this. I say this on record. If you do your homework and you find out who James Santiago is, you will know that anything that that man touches turns to gold. These, these pedals here, the length... See, I'm privy to some things that the average person isn't privy to because i get to watch like i get to see emails occasionally and i get to see like some like training videos and things like that the length of and the depth that these people put into this stuff like the starlight echo station the ua pedal they're built on james's personal echoes uh, the ep3s and he has three of them he has one that's brand new he has one that's kind of worn and he has one that's like Really, apart. really falling apart. Modeled in that because he, oh, I don't know, bought a box of 25 or 50 Echoplex tapes in 1987 and kept them so that he could model someday an EP3, and that's what's in that pedal. I don't know a company on this planet that goes to those lengths like that. And he said when he did the Ox, he goes, when I modeled a 57, he goes, I didn't model a 57. He goes, I modeled a bucket of them and tried them all. Everyone he did. They bought hundred Memory Man pedals to demo, to to you know to find which one really did the breakup right when you push it into the red. You know, 
Um, Interesting. The, uh, I mean, you. It's like that on all of it, like the phaser and the astro. The hardware and, sounds great, man. I've never, I've never. But used that's the it. Plug. It's the brainchild. They have a gold mine in that man. I'm a huge fan. He'll never accept the fact that I'm such a fanboy of that dude. Would but, you please make a note about James Santiago? I'm go going, go I'm check gonna, him out. I'm looking that shit man. up. So I'll you put can, links to whatever I find. Go. The best thing is there was a live JHS show that he did with tour and tour. I have. I can't leave tour Morganson out. Tor, we used to work for TC Electronics, and he works very closely with James on developing these products. I just know because I see James talk about the lineage of this, but Tor is equally as adept at like designing this shit. You know, James, I've just known because I've known about James since he worked at Voodoo Labs. Everybody was like, James Santiago, James Santiago, great player, great mind, great tones. He knows what he's doing. Um, and he's the brains behind a lot of the stuff with Tor. Let me ask you this question, and I've never talked about this pedal with anyone on this podcast before. I, you just mentioning Voodoo Labs, uh-huh. and, and you said the word tone, and my brain immediately thought of this. I used to have their tremolo pedal. Yeah, I didn't use it for tremolo. I just used the fatness that the pre oh, cool. of the pedal gave you. Yeah. Did you ever have that pedal? You I never had pedal? that one. I only had a couple Voodoo Labs. Which pedals. one? It's the Voodoo Lab Tremolo pedal. But bro. those pedals are great. Yeah, it's like 20 years old. No, I, ha- I know which one you're talking about. I haven't used it. The Octavia, it. the Chorus. I had I had both Sparkle Drives. I had the Giggity. The Sparkle Drives were great. Sparkle Drive was a great TS9 kind of thing, which Man, I, I hate TS9s anyway. I was anyway. just about to say, I hate those, so I but never But that one was that a good one. one. <laughs> that was a good pedal. Yeah. You know, the, the, all the talk about the, you know, the... We hate TS9s because there's a lot of other choices now. If it was 1994, we would all have a tube screamer on our board. Well, and that's why I, I had all the iterations yeah. uh, in the in the late 90s trying to... Me too. You know, I'm from Dallas, a uh, yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughan fan. And right. I was always like, yeah, I don't know how he did that. And obviously, there's it's, there, it's something about the combination, but Boo was telling me that he played someone's pedal that was within like 80 numbers of stevie mm-hmm. ray vaughn's and he said he's n- never before or since played yeah. a pedal that reacted like that well, that's interesting and i can't i don't know what he plugged it into I, so most of what we like about recorded or most of what I, i'll speak for myself excuse me most of what i like about recorded ts9 ts uh, eight, any yeah, of, any eight, of those good sounds, they're almost always like into a super. Like that's the thing, sure. right? Is is yeah. that pedal, whatever, however they pair right. it together. I've never owned a super. Yeah. I've only plugged it into like a matchless, and yeah, that's not going to work. It, it didn't yeah. work at all. It was terrible. Yeah. And you know what else sounds terrible through that? A pedal that I use all the time is the ODR one. Yeah, it sounds terrible. That's another that. thing. Is ODR ones to me all sound different. They I, do. I, they do have a lot of character. I had two that were completely different. I had two vintage ones that were completely different, and not just pot game values or anything. They just one had a vibe, one didn't. That's all. I, mine yeah. is on my baseboard now, and yeah. I don't use an ODR one that much. Um, Only it, on my. Baseboard. I have the uh, I have the Shanks Vemoram on another board, which kind of does that for me, which I'm mm-hmm. fine with. Um, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of I I have this board that's like aside from the light speed, it's kind of the anti Nashville board. Sure, but the it's funny the light speed like, um, I saw John Osborne using one six years ago, and I'd never heard of it. And he was like, 
Oh yeah, it just sounds like you turned your amp up. And from that point, I bought one, and and that's how long I've been using one. It, it's you know? yeah, I think I've had mine since like twenty. 14 or yeah, or, or something like That's that. That's the cool thing about Nashville is like shit kind of generates here. You That's know what I mean? True. And it goes out to the rest of the world, you know, pretty funny. But I, you know, I'm kind of like. That's a, all this, all the cool stuff on my board is stuff that I saw Boo using. And I'm yeah. Like, you know what? Yeah. That sounds great. I'm going to get one. I like Boo uses. Um, he got the Gladio. Does he? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I took him to pick it up at oh, uh, cool. what's it called over on Old Hickory and in Old Hickory. Uh, whatever that store is called. Yeah. Um, store over by your house. Corner Music? No, yeah. that's Madison. No, is it in Old Hickory? Uh, it's over by you. Okay, Corner Music it's, is the only one I know. It's of. Past you, but yeah, from here anyway. I have the dual channel Gladio too, which is also cool. Oh. Um, but I like that one just for the size. You know, it's it's cool. It's the my Robin Ford sound. You know, I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> hey man, that's a cool. It's, that's it's a just cool what sound. it is. Yeah, it's just fun, and I like um, Emilio at Cornerstone is a really really great guy, um, and was kind enough to send me those pedals. So. Shout That's out dope. to Emilio. And I love all these guys. Nick Greer, um, the J Rocket guys. They just sent me a new um, pedal that will be uh, released soon, and they want, they want me to do a video on, which so that'll be fun. So. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'll, Chris and those Chris guys. is great, and, and Zach. That's and, where Mark always stays when he yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chris doesn't live here anymore. Oh, really? He lives in Minneapolis. He took his kid up there to oh, play no hockey. Way. Yeah, his kid's okay. like a hockey phenom. Wow. Yeah. Oh. And and like legit. Like Wayne just, Gretzky was like he moved away in the last year then. Yeah, it was in the last year. Yeah. I, yeah, Wayne Gretzky was like your kids got got it. Wow. <laughs> From what I understand. All I need to hear. Yeah. Uh well that's dope, man. Uh, yeah. What what is this top right pedal? I don't recognize that one. So that's um the DOD Carcosa fuzz. And oh, it is okay. the best fuzz mm-hmm. for like eighty bucks you can get. Um really, really cool. I've f- because it acts as an overdrive. Or Did you turn really Ford onto that? No, he turned me on. So okay, that's what Ford... Like, I, I think I remember when Ford, Ford was Ford repping the Digitech about. DoD stuff, he had all that's that stuff. And, that's what it was. And um, I got a hold of one of those. And I still use the shit out of it. You know? Because you can get... My favorite thing is blending fuzz with overdrive. So, like, the light speed's on now. So if I kick it on... Um, Kinda, you can kind of. It's that throaty kind of thing. But you can. Separation stuff. Yeah. So I like it to be kind of. That sounds like a million bucks. Kind of gnarly, you know, and it does it. So the other, the other one that I don't know what they're if they're going to re-release it with a different name, but um, XTS made a, a fuzz called the Iridium, and. Mm-hmm. It was like you could turn the fuzz all the way up, and it was totally usable. It was awesome. And I have one of those. It's hey, don't great. put that down yet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> tell, tell us about that. Yeah, talk, talk about this guitar, man. All right, so this is my Novo Miris J. Is this the is this the, the Corey model? I wish. <laughs> um, I would never make a signature model just because I would change it probably in six months. I'm calling it the Corey Okay, model. so their Miris J, <laughs> it's their Dennis Novo design guitar. It's their classic body, but it's... um. Semi hollow jazz master style trim. It's actually a mastery bridge. Uh, Lawler gold foils, um, and it is their bodies are made of tempered pine, which is kind of interesting. Tempered you know? is that, that it is, is it partially like cooked or cooked uh, at a particular? I believe so. It's like a sous vide, sous vide pine. <laughs> but it's um, I never had a re- like. That's not true. I have gold foils and other guitars. But I've never had one, man. I'm getting one. That shit sounds dude, it's so, so good. fun. It sounds so yeah. good. All 
the character, all the low end and the top end that you would want, but like plenty of like natural mid like saturation to you know. And a lot of a lot of that's your hands. You've got a really great sounding hands that's as well. Very kind of you. But like what I was saying, I, I bet if Linden, you picked up any one of these guitars, you would still <laughs> sound like that. What I was saying earlier was that like I have this songwriter gig coming up where I have to do a lot of that kind of stuff. And shit tons of verb. And that's the UA Golden you just turned on. Yeah, and that's a preset I have for the, um, what is it, the, uh, the Lexicon 2, uh, I always forget the model. 224. Why did I not know that? Lexicon 224. So that old digital reverb that was, you know, you go into Blackbird. There's so many numbers we can remember, I know. Man. On Blackbird, the, uh, the remote on the, on the console, it's, it's doing that. With um, some Echoplex. That's actually Memory Man. At like 500 milliseconds. There's so much in the frequency spectrum coming through right now. All the lows and the highs. It's like extremely high fidelity. A lot of clarity. Yeah. So then you can go, this will be... And I just mean like your overall sound. I'm not even necessarily talking about the pedal. So that's the Echoplex, but with a tube reverb. And the, and the light speed is on for all that? Is that always on pedal for you? Nah, it depends on the gig. And here's like their trim. And I have a preset for a vibe. Yeah, um, yeah good stuff. They make good shit. Yeah, they do. It sounds like it. Like yeah, I said, because so anyway, this guitar is pretty fun. I just basically said I want this color, I want these pickups, go crazy, and I want this pick guard. And you know, I ordered it just in the right time where like nobody can get pickups, pick guards anymore, and nobody can get all this materials and supply chain shit. You know, man. So I, I guess you just can't get anything anymore because every time I go anywhere, they're out of all. I of know. It. I I gotta. What the fuck? I could not believe I we ordered. You know, I, I moved into my house three years ago, and I barely have any furniture. And I ordered a dining room table and chairs about 11 weeks ago, and I got the table today, which I thought was really quick. God dang. You know, for, yeah, I mean, I ordered a I ordered a couch, and it was like eight months to get that. I mean, it was a custom-made kind of thing. You pick out your, you know, your color and your, your stuff like that, but it's... That's a long we got, time we got, we got lucky. We, we, we got spoiled, is what I mean. Well, that's always you know, good. So... Deer and beer. Something I've been finding myself wanting to know from dudes lately, dudes and chicks. Uh, what does what does Jake Kenji Alt say? Uh, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. What I, what I, what I want to know is, what are you listening to? When you listen to oh, something, gosh. do you listen to music? I know a lot of musicians that don't listen to music or recreational. That's actually making me feel good because I haven't been an avid listener much lately <sighs> because I'm doing it all day long, you know, um, and I'm listening to stuff I would have to learn for a gig yeah. or whatever, and that is my active listening. Um, that being said, um, I I go in spurts of like, listening deep diving for projects like i just put out this course where i i kind of found a lick from like a lesser known blues player by lesser known the ones that aren't like you know 
focused on as much. Like oh, somebody's going to say, "Oh, Clapton." No one named and, King. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no one named <laughs> King. Is that so? I did like I did do Freddie King, but like you know. Otis Rush and Hubert Sumlin and okay. and Roy Buchanan and Rory Gallagher and yeah, so I did a lot of that stuff and I'll, that's kind of like my history lesson listening. Um, I did that. Such good stuff. Yeah, man. and then I um, little dog barking action. Yeah, it sounds like my I'm house. Surprised it took this long. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I'll fire up. You know, generally I'll go on like a okay. I want to listen to some David Bowie today, or I want to listen to some Talking Heads, or I'm going to listen to. Um, uh, listen to a little bit of Rye Cooter. I bought a Cooter caster. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I haven't Those got crazy. I man. haven't gotten it yet, but it should be here in a couple of days, probably next week. Um, and I just wanted a guitar for slide that wasn't one of my guitars. It was already set up for that. You know, that's, yeah, that's um, definitely a cool thing. Yeah. Um, so it's weird. I always feel like kind of guilty when somebody asks me that because I used to be the guy who was on everything like as soon as it came out i was devouring it i had to have the new this record the new that record sure. you know i used to be that in the country scene and now it's like well it fucking sounds the same so i know what it, i know what to expect you know what i mean that being said i also like to be surprised you know i sure. like to be like if i got called today for let's pick somebody's gig like um casey musgraves right i'd be like cool this is awesome music that I've really not listened to that much. So it's this like sort of cool revigor, like being invigorated by it. Sure. You know, because when I first moved to town and before that, I would listen to everything feeling like I needed to be prepared. If I got called for that gig, I needed to know the music, you know, but I love, you know, um, doing a little bit of vinyl stuff and I spin the cars a lot. I spin the stranger by Billy Joel a lot, you know, like fucking killer songs, you know, like, um, so yeah, it's it's a little I'm all over. Board up with all of that. The vinyl yeah. you just mentioned. Yeah, so that's where I'm at. That's cool, man. Yeah, but I listen yeah. to a podcast too. Like I spent a lot of time listening to uh, the Talking Sopranos podcast, where it was Steve Sharipper and Michael Imperioli yeah. talking about the show, and I was listening to the Seth Godin podcast on the way up here because um, I can play music. I know what I like. I know what I think is good. I know I can always go back and listen to some great old music, but I want to figure out ways to kind of broaden my uh, myself as a person and reading and listening to podcasts and hearing different ways people think and out their outlooks sure. helps my musicianship. It's certainly hard to balance all that, but... Because because I do the same thing, uh, but I mean you're I'm a really like, active musician, so you're probably learning music all the time. And I'm honestly and, not, man. I just know okay. shitloads of music. Yeah, I mean, I played with Charlie Warsham last week. I had to learn music for him. That's the first mm-hmm. time I've had to learn music in several months. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Just uh, well, doing the Broadway stuff too. Yeah, you probably I mean, have a catalog sessions of shit. are one thing. Yeah. I'm reading a chart, but like. Right. As far as like learning music for like different gigs, that's not really what I've been doing. Like right. I play with the same few people, and then again, I played a, a one-off with Charlie last week, and that, that's the first thing I think I've learned since yeah. like November. I'm uh, I'm a hopeless addict. I, I listen to music and pop. Like yesterday, I listened to music on my way to the session. I listened mm-hmm. to some between the session and the gig, and on the way home the gig, I didn't want to hear anything. Yeah, but like. I'm otherwise, I like to listen to music, man. I, yeah. I, you know, I just, my, my brain 
left to its own devices will get me in trouble. So I just try <laughs> to like seek out things to do with it and like things yeah. to listen to. And I find all kinds of like cool music. And the, the kind of music I listen to lately is like, uh, you know, sample drums and like filtery keys playing like mm-hmm. jazz hop kind of yeah. shit. I I love that shit. Man. I mean, I remember it's when so I went through a so period. Awesome. I remember when I went through a period and I was listening to DJ Shadow and and Logic. Gideon and, just and told me to listen to one and of it, those. Fucking it's like records. it's it's incredible music that somebody created by putting stuff together. You know, but it's, it's I a guess different language, a different it way is. to look at it. And I guess what I'm trying to work on lately is. Can I create something that doesn't sound like something I've heard before? Or, and I'm not saying that like I'm putting on like 10 weird pedals and playing one note and it's not like anything I've heard. I'm saying like it's in here. I wanted to get it out and it doesn't sound like the same old shit I've been playing. Sounds like you. Yeah. I'm ready to do that. You know, my favorite thing is when I heard Wayne Krantz say, for 40 years I worked on trying to sound like another man. And then I wanted to stop doing that. And I was like, I get he that. said that like what ninety three. He said that in like yeah, in the mid nineties, right? So, and damn it, if he doesn't sound like Wayne Cranston, and then he like you know. he also. Said, I was surprised to not see you uh, at the show. I've seen and watched so much Wayne that I was like, I think I'm good. <laughs> I mean, you know? I went to the last time he was at Sweet City Wine. I sat by myself. I've up seen in the him every time he's been to town. Yeah, I think we were there at here. the last one too. I, yeah. I've seen him every time he's been, except for uh, no, I've seen him every time he's been here. I missed him in Dallas once. Yeah. But did you, uh, being from Pittsburgh, did yeah. you make the trek to New York to watch him back in the I day? I didn't do that, but um, so I was in. I was friends with a lot of cats that I used to teach at a, at a guitar shop, and across the street was a drum shop. And anybody that knows anything knows that those are two different things. You they know, are, yeah. <laughs> a real drum shop is like I walked over there on my lunch breaks because they listened to the good music, and the guys were really talking about really good players. And there was a drummer there that was friendly with Keith Carlock back in the early 2000s. And that's how I found out who um, Krantz was and all this sure. kind of stuff. And um, just realized that, like, oh, there's music that's on a completely different planet. Did you, you ever know? see, and there, it seems like they're harder to find on YouTube these days, but there used to be some videos of him playing with Steely Dan in the yeah. late 80s when mm-hmm. he's wearing like a green sleeveless t-shirt and he is yeah. fucking shredding. Dude, that, oh, yeah. that and Randy Brecker. Well, that's the thing. You know, only Wayne Krantz would be bored of the Steely Dan gig. Well, for sure. <laughs> I mean, come on. He's so there's amazing. A, there's yeah. another video. Uh, can you make a note to yeah. uh, Wayne Krantz and just say Wayne Krantz in France uh, and I'll know what video Wayne Krantz There's in this France. video of him... Uh, and Keith and Tim from like 2003 or something. He's in, I think it's Marziac, M-A-R-Z-I-A-C, France. And mm-hmm. they're doing some sort of like clinic and then a show. I think and, I know which one you're talking and he's, about. And he, he looks he looks super young, but his, his yeah. hair is long. Yeah. And he's talking, uh, someone's interviewing him from behind the camera. Uh-huh. And, Was it like in a classroom full of people? Um... Or like a no, concert. it was like okay. on a sound stage. I think but I've the, seen that one too. The interview is just him and the camera guy, mm-hmm. and um, he's like, I, and he's got a guitar on. He's like, I used to think about music like this, and he played a thing, mm-hmm. and then he's like, and now I think about it like this, and he played like the Wayne Cranes that we know yeah. today, yeah. and it was just like, holy shit, yeah. this man done reinvented himself. He reinvented it yeah. musically um, in, a way, think, in a way that he can switch on and off. 
Yeah, he ain't switched it off in a long time, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm thankful. No, for but it I mean to be able to sounds. demonstrate this is well, sure. Yeah, but the saying. discipline that takes to say I don't care if I eat, I'm going to do this. You know, that's why I wonder like, how long did it take Charlie Hunter to get that good? Like, dude, that's a whole fucking. You know what I'm saying? To, like, well, here's the deal about Charlie Hunter. He can play, he can separate either of those instruments and go do gigs yeah, if he needs to eat. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? He, he can pick up a P bass or, yeah. or he can pick up a guitar and go do whatever. Yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, I realize that an early Or early. he can just do both and get double pay. There you go. There you go. Um, I no, I, I realized that. I was like, I was chasing the fusion thing for a while and I was like, you know what? Nobody's coming to these gigs. <laughs> I want to play in front of dude. Some that's people. what happened when I moved to Chicago. I like got done with like jazz school, and I I like did a few jazz gigs, and they were like fifty dollars a piece. And I was like, well, not yeah. not paying rent with this. Yeah, and it, the landscape's a little different these days with Snarky Puppy well, and then yeah, yeah. Latari and and, you, and those if guys. you really get after it, you can pay your rent with jazz. It's just a whole different thing. I mean, you got to move to one of you know a handful of places. Yeah, yeah. Sure, but, no, no, no. I'm just I'm. You know, you know, joking as well. well but, but no, but I mean, it, that used to absolutely pre Snarky Puppy. If you weren't in some sort of like legendary fusion, if you weren't act, in an electric you band or any money, bro. No, that's totally true. That's totally true. You weren't making any money. I mean, I remember you were, but you were playing doing it in wedding bands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're playing a cocktail hour, yeah, exactly. and nobody was listening to you anyway. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but done a lot of that. No, we go, um, yeah, sure. So have I, and it, it's like you know, you go through stages where it was like. And I, I want to play to some people that like. I mean, I used to travel from Pittsburgh to West Virginia and do a ninety-minute country gig, and which which was an hour away, and make like three hundred bucks. And there was like free beer and girls, and it was like, okay, this is totally worth it. As a me playing, you know, the uh, the cafe <laughs> somewhere where there's like four people, coffee shop. People I'm telling you, you to turn down. I'm telling. I'm so glad you said that. I was gonna go. I was gonna go there. We set up one time in this place. We were going to play our fusion shit, right? And the drummer set his shit up, and he took his hi-hats, and he went, and and I'm telling you, that's all he played. And the the hostess came over and said, could you please turn it down a little bit? And I was <laughs> I was like, we're, this is it. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all he, I watched it happen. Those fucking, those gigs are fun sometimes, though. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, I had, no doubt. Uh, up until like maybe six months ago, I had like, a standing like coffee shop jazz gig. Yeah. That I mean, it didn't pay a whole ton of money, but it was like I do super it now for fun, nothing, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Like I did it for yeah, basically yeah, like that's about all you can get paid for. Yeah, it's nothing. nothing. But when you're 22 yeah. and you're like I'm going to do this for a living, this is my career and I told oh, my parents I was yeah. going to do you are just busting your ass to try to make it happen. And you're also trying to make a statement and be a player. And it's perspective changes a lot you know it's a cool thing i started feeling like jazz gigs were i on jazz gigs i started feeling like the music itself can be pretty selfish yeah and that's why nobody self-indulgent self-indulgent and that's why and i got tired of like the you know look at me what i can look at what i can do kind of thing and then like you know well that's the deal with wayne which is so great is because if you watch those interviews Wayne talks about his uh, his approach to improvising, meaning something that is spontaneously happening between a group of few people that is going to a place that was not achievable before that very moment. And that's part of what jazz should be. Now, the other thing that I think I heard a drummer that I really respect many years ago say that jazz neglects their, they forgot their audience. And if you think about it, 
Count Basie's jazz. Duke Ellington is jazz. They had an audience. They had dancers. They were there to yeah, entertain. Let's say that was that was an entertainment you know, endeavor. It that's wasn't something an exercise um, in, I've heard Mike right. League say a, a bunch <clears throat> is that that like like basically like we want to make jazz that people can dance to right something you can shake your well, and that's to. why the swing band i was in was so fun we would play these swing dances and there'd be 200 people swing dancing and it looked like some sort of like juke joint from the 30s and it was absolutely and everybody the people who are out try, trying to outdo each other are the dancers not the musicians we're sure. there to make them i mean when we would do you know People are spinning, you know you're in the we'd zone. Play, and we'd go from take the A train to like Mambo Number no. 5 to begin the begin to, you know, uh, you know, Ladies of Tramp. And they would just, abs- I mean, there would be like it, like battles and the whole nine, like they'd be going <laughs> at it. We'd play in these like dance schools and stuff. And it was, it was awesome. It was something that was pretty special for my musical upbringing. You talk about uh, dancing, and like that was one of the weirdest things for me when I moved to Nashville, the home of country music from Texas. Yeah, and like in Texas, every gig I'm doing, like forty percent of the building is reserved for the dance floor. Right, and I get here, and no one's dancing. Yeah, no one's. I mean, they're listening, but they're listening because it's so loud and they're crammed so close to the stage yeah this is i I was doing a lot of broadway when i first moved here and i still play down there but once twice a week not Mm -hmm. once twice a day yeah right um and that that was just like shell shock it's like because that's very real feedback it's like you can you can tell when it (laughs) when it feels right because there's energy you can physically you can see the energy in the people on the dance floor and like another thing about that is uh you you play ballads you play things and and compound you know meter you you play three and you play six yep uh you don't do that here anymore, really. No, I mean, we it's, do these little six eight because everybody wants to hear Tennessee whiskey. You play downtown, but yeah, or well, you know, or, or uh, trying to think of another one. But you're right. You know, it's it's about keeping people up, and you know, I remember sitting in one time at Tin Roof in Midtown, and we weren't on stage trying to figure out what to play for more than forty five seconds, and the manager was honest, telling us, "Come on, let's go. You guys got to play." I'm like. Oh, this is not cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely not cool. And there, I've definitely been in those situations yeah. where managers like, "Hey, well, we got many party music." It's like I just played two hours of party music. What are you yeah. talking about? Right. These people are asking for these songs. I didn't decide that it was time to play. Right. No one else on earth by the Judds. Someone <laughs> asked for it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Great song. Love that song. I didn't come up with it. Someone asked for it. Sure. You know? Yeah. Sorry, we're, sorry we're here for the mid-tempo for Rocky requests. song. Yeah, bro. right. <laughs> Doesn't have to be Hicktown every day. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me ask you the stupid questions, man. Okay. And My answers will probably be you more can than stupid. decide for yourself if they're stupid or not. Um, the first question I've asked everyone, from there, it'll just kind of depend. I just kind of pick them out of this yeah. list that I curate pretty much every week i'm like deleting and adding <laughs> so metallica or megadeth is the first question Ooh, it's gonna be some either ors here right off the bat i'm gonna say that i know more metallica but i'd probably prefer megadeth metallica I, was one of my first rock shows ever metallica during that metal church uh tour where james got his arm caught on fire and, oh yeah the pyrotechnic yeah, fail yeah, I, yeah exactly i saw them before that oh, happened it was okay. on the same tour yeah black cool. album all that shit 
I, I love both, but yeah. I, just, I like pinning them against each other yeah, because that's, that's what all people will often try to do to you. Yeah. So we're we're no different there. Miles or Coach Coltrane? Excuse me. Miles. That's often the the choice as well. I think just I'm for one. the breadth of of stuff and the impact. You know, it was definitely reached a larger audience. Yeah, and I think I I like personally Coltrane better. Mm-hmm. Just that, but that's just for me. But I get it. I understand why most other people think the other yeah. way, mm-hmm. and that happens to me a lot. <laughs> Surprise, Matheny or Schofield? Ooh, yeah, I, I'm going to take Schofield for more of the Miles reason because sure. although Schofield with the you know the speaking now live and then the trio shit and all is amazing you know anybody that has richard bona in a band i'm a fan of you know richard bona the bad but schofield the the breadth of his career is so freaking cool Pretty you know cool. what i mean like i remember seeing him once in pittsburgh and i i got i was like Shame on me for ever forgetting how amazing you are. And he was like, oh, man, thank you. You know, and I was like, you are, like, he was so fucking good. It was incredible. And He doesn't ever make mistakes. He never makes mistakes. He always and, sounds exactly like himself. And that's the thing that I, and not that Pat does enough, he, Pat, Pat's a genius. But, but Sko is just all vibe. I mean, the Agogo record changed my life. That is a very accessible record. It's a very, it, anybody can listen to that and be like, oh, this is fucking cool. But. I was listening to Blue Matter and all that stuff before oh, that. Dude, Blue Matter is the fucking shit. Oh yeah, man. I mean, and um, dun, 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 oh gosh, uh, that's a great record. What's the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, I haven't heard somebody bring that album up in a minute. I forget which one that is. Um, anyway, but like that, I don't know. I was just, I was more of a Sco guy, and it was for me Sco Stern, Mike Henderson, or Scott Henderson. Mike Henderson's also yeah. a great blues player, but. Those were like the three guys that I kind of listened to the most. That's dope. You know, yeah. Uh, they're all valid. I just again, yeah. I'm, I'm just no. Pinning, that's a good one. I'm pitting people really good against one. each other, man. Yeah, we're man. here to divide people. On the, <laughs> podcast. Um, David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar? <sighs> I hate this one. I hate this one. But it's a, it's it's, a new it's, one. It is. Um, you know, you know what? I'm going to say Sammy. Fuck I it. respect that. Fuck it, because that's some great music. <laughs> better songs and a, and a legit singer. And but I will say this: David Lee Roth, that podcast he recently had with Joe Rogan, he he had some really great insight about being a singer. And I've been working on my singing a lot more. He's been on there and twice, right? It was a recent one. Mm-hmm. Okay, I haven't yeah. seen the recent the one. one. Where I've seen the first one where he the seemed one, like he was like grinding his teeth with he's, cocaine. He's crazier now than he was that because he's kind of uh-huh. that old guy that laughs at his own jokes in a real psychotic way. You know, that's like, he embodies the faceless that he's done. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I don't, know, I'm, I don't know what kind. I don't know. I mean, I the shouldn't, I shouldn't say badass record. balance is great, and I shouldn't I shouldn't say Sammy because the prices at Cabo Wabo are way too high. But in case, yeah, Sammy, what's up with that, bro? I but I'm a Email fan us. of the I'm a fan of of the writing and the, that era in a big way, but. I mean, Roth is kind of undeniable in his own way. Those I did see are... the Roth tour, the last tour. You did? That they did. I did see that. Yeah. I have never seen... Uh, actually, that's not true. I saw Van Halen for like a few minutes. Somebody snuck me in, and then I had to split to a gig back in Dallas a long time that ago. That was like when I saw McCartney at the, uh, the festival in Austin, Austin City Limits Festival. 
I was oh, like yeah. a mile away, but I could still see him, and it was awesome. So that was like, I got to say, S.L. McCartney. Have I told my Van Halen story on this podcast? I don't think you have. I've got a funny Van Halen. Oh, no, I did, I did tell it. I can't remember what episode. So it's it starts uh, sad and gets happy, but I was at Dimebag's funeral. Wow. And I was standing outside, me and my buddy Boss, and we're just like standing. We're literally standing outside, side by side. There's a double door right here. We're standing. It's like a canopy, and we're just standing there. We're not talking. There's no one else there. Eddie Van Halen wearing uh, coveralls comes through the doors and he's just walking out and he walks through the doors and he sees this and he like jumps back and he goes oh hey what's up man and then he kept walking but he like we made him physically jump into the air and then tell us hey what's up man and that's my Eddie Van Halen (laughs) awesome Steve Vai or Joe Satriani Vai correct answer that that, there is one correct answer to that question Um, Petrucci or Gilbert I'm I'm not really knowledgeable of either enough, but I'd have to say Paul Gilbert just for the Racer X Mr. Big stuff. I you know. I'm I was if trying I was to gonna listen with, to one on a desert island with a gun to my head, it would be that all day long. I just I I can't do the dream theater thing. What's the he had a Paul Gilbert had a record, something about Castle. Um anyway, it was just basically like a exercise etude gone song <laughs> right something about a castle i'll figure that uh Lyndon, can you make a note about paul gilbert castle song yep anyway i, I used to teach a bunch uh, 43 students a week not 60 <laughs> but a fucking lot and one of the other uh guys was like working on that one day in yeah. his room and i walked out there i was like what is that shit and he's like paul gilbert and i was like who the fuck is paul gilbert and anyway i fell down that rabbit hole yeah getty lee or john paul jones I mean, I'd have to go John Paul Jones. It's kind of hard. Yeah. I, I, I was never the- a rush guy, period. Do I respect three guys being able to, like, fill the stadium in Brazil with songs about dragons? Like, yeah. Much respect. <laughs> like, that, so now, it's, it's you're like, confusing content there because it's not so much about dragons. That's that's uh, that's the dream theater thing. Okay, that's dragons and ogres. Uh, Rush is more about like uh, uh, medieval philosophy. And, yeah, and right. But uh, I mean, that was a time when you could play that shit energy. and get on the radio with a trio. You know, I mean, like pretty badass. I'm trying to. I, I'll tell you this: if you had a suggestion for a better head-to-head battle for John Paul Jones, that everyone's gonna. I was thinking like John Entwistle. I was just gonna somebody, say that, but John I don't Entwistle. think that. I don't think is that it, is it too close. I just don't think. Like, I think it's a stretch for people to know who John Paul Jones is that are not. I mean, let's face yeah. it: the, there's dorks listening to this show because I am certainly a dork. So they probably know. I mean, what who are you John gonna say, Paul Bill Jones. Wyman? I mean, I don't know. I. I Chris Squire, maybe. Um, to me, then it's it's Chris Squire against Entwistle or Chris, Chris Squire against. Uh, well, I thought I thought my original thought was like McCartney. Yeah, but he's too too multi instrumentalist. Yeah, about to say, yeah. and, and he sings, and it's yeah. just a, it's just not it's not. He played bass by like default in some ways. Yeah, that's true, and but real fucking good though. Yeah, real yeah. fucking good, no doubt. Jazz or metal? Jazz. Because you just don't improvise in metal enough for me. Same. I love you know? both. I love, I, like, metal is is awesome. Like, I love metal. But I can't remember stuff that much. 
so that was hard for me to remember all that I, stuff. I hear you, because I remember I went to a kid's house once. He had a he had a kick ass Jackson, and he could play a couple really cool Megadeth things, a couple cool Metallic things. And I'd get on there, and he was like, he was like, "Ah, oh, you're just making shit up." And I was like, "Yeah, exactly," because I was improvising, and and you could tell those two worlds were so apart that he didn't get it, and that was totally fine. Well, and it's it's certainly a different kind of playing, and I love both, yeah. but left to. A, a choice between the two. Yeah. Give me the thing where I can do whatever I want. Exactly. Every time. Exactly. So I I kind of hope that that's what everybody chooses. Yeah. Don't do it because that's what I said. Um, live or session? Good call. Um, you know, each one has its merit. Um, uh, they're both great, but you have to choose. If I have to choose, if I have to choose. I'm going to say here's I'm going to say live where I was normally say session because you know what I miss gig chops. It's a you, very real thing. When you're playing those 3 and 4 nights in a row and sometimes you can't hear yourself real good and you got to rely <laughs> on your technique. Not only that but like the ideas the conduit from your brain to your hands is sharper. Like you know a few years ago we used to do this blues gig at Puckets every Thursday one day a week. If I did that gig two weeks in a row, I was 50% better than I was the previous week because the bugs got worked out. You know what I mean? And I don't get to do that enough anymore. And it's a gig chops are a thing. That's why if you're on a tour for like 20 dates, you're you're at date like 17. You're like, oh, shit, I wish this wasn't over because you're just starting to feel good. I have the same – I was just talking to somebody. It may have been you. I can't remember. About like set length. It's like, I don't want to play a 30 minute set, bro. Yeah. I'd rather play, give me 90 or 120 minutes every time over set. Settle 30. in a little bit. Yeah. You, there's like a natural arc. You can yeah. find, you, you find your golden ratio. Um, <laughs> that sounds dirty. We're, we're running out of time on this. So I'm going to fire them off and get you out of here. Single coil or humbucker? Humbucker. Volume pedal before or after gain? Before. Do you use compression? Live. Yes. Jazz or precision? Precision. What's your favorite pedal? Greer Lightspeed, all day. That's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> Off the top of your head, three Desert Island records. Top of my head, three Desert Island records. Wrecking Ball by Emmy Lou Harris. Um, Teatro by Willie Nelson. Oh, both produced by Daniel Lanois. Yeah, Lanois. both Lanois. Um, and then maybe Peace Beyond Passion by Michelle and Diego Cello. Oh, okay. Or, you know, any random fusion record in there. But but that's it right now. We're, we're on the... We're, this is the you're the you're literally so. the first person to ever go gun to your head style. Thank you, by without the way. Without Rob being like, right come on. I had to yell at last week's <laughs> <Yeah>. guest. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I love you, Adam. Um <laughs> I got one final question for you. You're here, and the question, uh, this it has its own zone, and we're calling it the King's Court, and you have to pick Albert, Freddie, BB, Earl, or King's X. Well, say the Albert, Freddie, BB, BB, Earl, or King's X. Those Earl. are all the those are the five kings that are now in this category. Um, but you can only you only get one. Freddy. One king to rule them all. Freddy. Great answer. Deer and beer. Okay. So, you, we were talking earlier. We briefly mentioned it, but you are launching, or you have just launched, what, three days ago? Yeah. Your, your website. Right. 
And on your website, people will find all of your teaching videos. Right. And there's how do you have how do you well, have it worked out? So I have it. My my personal website for is still there, and that, that's going to be devoted to me and artist stuff. You the, but, the hireable player yes, and man of many parts, exactly. But um, and tour dates and all that kind of shit. Okay, but excellent. this is a website I developed as basically like my brick and mortar lesson shop. It's called sure. WorkingClassGuitar.com. Oh hell yeah, great! And and uh, I currently have four to five courses on there um and uploading more um is this all new content no there's some new content and then there's some stuff that i've gotten sort of licensed back from the partners i did it with okay but it's going to be the place now that all new content will live um and there's a number of different ways you can you can purchase courses you can sign up for a monthly subscription sure and if you hear this podcast and you use the code ytdeal which is the YouTube deal normally that I would give. It's 30% off of the um, of the membership, and that membership gets you any video on the site. Now, the membership also includes a section called Ask Corey Anything, where I put up uh, lessons with questions that people ask me, and then it also has something called our VI, Working Class Guitar VIP, where we're going to start doing monthly Zoom lessons oh. with a group. So oh, that's cool. if I we could have 200 people on there. You know, talking yeah. about a concept. So that's kind of up in the ante with regard to the subscription status type stuff. Now, we're just getting started. Um, the first group session will probably be next Friday, the 18th of March, when you're listening to this. Um, but it's going to be once a month. So um, it's, a, it's a platform that a lot of folks are starting to do. Not a lot, just a, f- a few, but the group Zoom thing is really what's going to make your, you know, 10 to 15 bucks a month worth yeah like live hands-on access literally so you can't have a one-on-one with me but you can have a group with me which is sure sure it's pretty fun wait your turn and politely ask your questions uh, you know let's hope so work through the same content we're all we're you know like you said there's it'll be a a theme to the the lesson presumably sometimes there will be other other times it'll be sort of a grab bag worth of things you know okay because i've done a lot of live streaming on youtube and i've done a lot of teaching and it's it's pretty cool. People get really rewarded by that. And I thought, man, it'd be cool to do it in a Zoom style where those people that exclusively sign up to be involved in that can have a, a stake in it. That's great, man. Yeah. That's great. So um, are you when – you're, when you're thinking about the lessons, are is it like something where you're like – you sit down and you think, okay, what's a useful piece of information for somebody trying to move to the mm-hmm. next level? Or, Beer delivery. My man. <laughs> or, or is it, a, you know, you're, uh, you hear something and you're like, oh, you know what? That would be badass to break down and get to the bottom of. It's a little of. bit of that. I've also done like a lot of research over the years. I mean, I've been doing this online for over 10 years and you, you, hear from a lot of people sure. that want to hear certain things. You're like, I'd love it if you did this. Um, and, the demographic that I work with is um, is usually older players um, that are retired or just picking it up for the first time. So it's that late beginner to early intermediate level kind of thing. Sure. But what I just discovered today actually was like, you know, what I could put some more challenging stuff on Instagram and also cater to that, but then also have them come to my site and the lesson can live there too. That's so, cool. you know, there's there's different things I'm thinking about all the time with regard. And it, the teaching makes me better, so I just want to keep doing it. I don't want to do anything and just get better, you know. And if somebody wants to Amen. pay me a nominal fee to help them, I'm happy to do it too. Well, I mean, and 
it's like it's it's almost the preferred method of doing things here in this, uh, for lack of a better yeah. term, COVID age and yeah. uh, time when uh, you know gas prices are as high as they've ever been, and just all the all the different problems that yeah. we're finding in just like general existence right. as compared to what you know what bandwidth we're used to to move yeah. about this world it has, yeah. it has been restricted somewhat yeah uh or you know at least for a lot of working players and, and things like that so it the only the only site um that i've ever used online and you know i consider myself a pretty fucking good guitar player I've really been doing it profession yeah. mm-hmm. professionally for twenty years, mm-hmm. and uh, when I when I went to, I was looking for something, and it's like I don't know any teachers. I took lessons from Jack Pearson. Jack's got a lot that he can offer, but he he's not a teacher. He's yeah. a really good guitar player, and there's plenty to be learned from sitting down with somebody who's yeah, good and be like. Oh, let's play these changes, which is which is what a lesson is with Jack. Uh, mm-hmm. You sit down. He's like, uh, "What do you want to play? What What are you into?" And you play something, and he's like, "Have you thought about playing something like this?" And he'll just like give you a bunch of options, and you record it and whatever. Yeah. But that's not for me or for the inquisitive mind, which is a lot of what it sounded like you just described as far as your demographic is concerned. Yeah. It's yeah. like uh, smart accomplished professional people interested in guitar yeah. at more than just a, a how do you play wonderwall bro kind of a level yeah and know? and i could i could teach the shit out of that well, but sure you know because i understand some of the finer points that even guitar teachers who are doing that on youtube and elsewhere don't don't do sure but um but it's but it's because you're the next level <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean i understand several levels i understand how important it is to have proper eighth note strums because somebody kicked my butt on that a long time ago, you know, in the studio and they're like, no, you got to make it like a metronome. I'm like, you know, whatever. But so, you know, I just develop content by finding fun ways. I'll put it this way. I think my biggest skill is I think I understand how people hear and I think I understand how they listen and how they retain information. And the best way to get something is in a really small piece. And I read a sure. book about learning once, and the guy called it chunking. You take it in these little small chunks. And, you know, I watched um, somebody play an arpeggio, like an A7 arpeggio, or let's say, you know, a D7 arpeggio. So I played that from the D, but you also have a C and an A here. But if I go showing a beginner that or somebody who's new to arpeggio, they're not going to understand why I started a D7 arpeggio on exactly. on an A or a C. So they need to have that like root-to-root thing happening. And then we can always kind of reverse engineer that if we need to. I mean, I, this lesson I worked up today that I'm going to put out, it's just working on our arpeggio for those four notes. And you can get so much music out of that. Absolutely. So why would I confuse somebody with six strings when I can have them hammer the point home with four? And then we can go backwards. That's stuff that people don't don't teach because they don't listen to how people they don't pay attention to how people learn. And you got to turn a light bulb smart, on. Man. You have to turn a light switch on with somebody. You just got to teach enough lessons to figure that kind of shit you out. You do. And you have, and not yeah. only that. Like I really work hard at trying to understand how people are affected by your speech. 
and by how you deliver information. You this know? is I don't and and, to dumb, and, and I'm going to say this if, dumbing it down. You're going to think to yourself like, well, I can't do it this way. Somebody's going to judge me for it. Not that guy who's 65 who just decided he wanted to play some blues. Exactly. He needs to have it spoon fed to him just the way you did when you were learning. Oh, it's it's almost like, you know, it's going to surprise people to learn that I wasn't a great student in school, <laughs> but there were certain classes that I would do really good in. Yeah. And those classes were always the ones where teachers understood how to take a thing yeah. and break it down or make it relatable or fun yeah. for the the people who need to learn it yeah. and it's and it's almost like you know that there are people out there that want to learn these kinds of things and yeah. you're like how can i make this translate yeah and I, I don't if there's someone out there that's doing it better than you it, i haven't watched every video on the internet I, I don't have that kind of free time i wish i did because there's some crazy shit out there and i haven't watched every guitar video but I've watched a lot of fucking videos. Yeah. And there's not anybody out there that like really seems to get the information across mm-hmm. like you. I appreciate that. Well, well there, I, let me say that. Yes, there are. Yeah. But they're all catering to like the top percent of guitar players, which is yeah. not the people who need fucking help. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. And like that's where for me was the, the Tim Miller website. Tim's uh, amazing. Uh, GuitarLessons.tv or whatever. Yeah. He is amazing. But that is not shit that the guys no, that you're average, talking no. about are looking for or that, that guy's most people level. are looking yeah. for. Well, he mm. totally is. I love that guy. He's on a but fucking another planet. He's yeah. A, yeah, he's he's. From I worked up a else. lot of the... Um, this is this is worth. I, I did. It, I was doing it for a while, and I never stuck with it. But all his, his pentatonic arpeggio two, shit. They're, they're two one you know, two shit. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, I love those. Man. So my thought was like, what if you're playing like a country thing? And it's like. You can put that shit into rock. Oh so, yeah. So now comes the crossroads of how I'm a teacher. I'm gonna watch Tim Miller. And I'm going to make that guy that doesn't give a shit about Tim Miller understand what Tim Miller is doing and putting it in his play. Because I think Tim Miller's genius and his method's amazing, but it's not going to go across to a guy that wants to play country. It's, so how could I put yeah. that in? So I hear between the lines, and I'm like, okay, we could use that. He's also playing a guitar that looks like a medieval weapon. <laughs> yeah. and, and he's playing it like this. Right. And you're playing a guitar that looks like... Something you'd see yeah. on the Grammys, right? And you're fucking playing it with style and like raw shit. Whereas right. he's playing, he he's the, you know, and thank God for people like neurosurgeons, but he's the neurosurgeon, and yeah, you're the fucking ER doctor bringing people back to life. Yeah, I'm just like the guy that's like, okay, we can fix you up here and go out and have some fun, and now you can walk again or whatever. But um, sorry for the weird so, analogy. No, no, that is my. <laughs> that's I realize, a great. I love that analogy. But I realized <laughs> like that is my that is my path. Like I have stacks of fucking books. I mean, I have hundreds of guitar books. It doesn't matter if it's I've got a few. Don I don't Ma- have hundreds. Don Mock or um, from guitar uh, from Green. jazz to rock, bro. <laughs> I don't think I've, I have that. I've got one. that video. <laughs> well, I have I used to have tons of videos. I still do. I still have VHS. I have I have DVD that I transferred from VHS. Hell yeah. Um, the fucking Mick Goodrick advancing, advancing guitarist, guitarist and um, the one he did with Tim Miller. I don't have that one. Um but I have a lot of Don Mock stuff. Um, a lot of like Don Mock is a bad motherfucker. He's so man. knowledgeable, but 
you give his, you know, melodic minor book or something to somebody, they're not going to understand. Yeah. Do you it's have so challenging? I need to know just for because if so, uh, I got to get a, get my hands on it. Do you have uh, Scotty Anderson, the Red Hot Guitar, or whatever? I think I have that video. Yeah. It used to be on YouTube, and I used to go up and, and like learn, like I think work, I have a work copy on that double it. stop shit. It's so hard, I cut stop. It I is like, I can't so do hard, it. but I. It's amazing. It is some of the coolest like concepts. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know of anyone. What's else the, what are you talking about? I have. I don't know about this. Scott. So, well, I, I wish Scott I could show Henderson? it up. No, Scotty. I can't, I can't do it really Scotty well. Scotty Anderson. I can't yes. really do it really well. But he uses the pick and his finger to do double stops, like and make basically. But play in harmony. both directions. But but it's but it's lightning fast, and it sounds like it's not like you have a harmony pedal. I'm on. about to say it's it's lightning fast, and it's like it's it's more than just you know major minor try. I it's mean, unbelievable. I'm gonna check this shit out. I'm gonna It'll also put the link in in in. If for you, the, if you can find it, that'd be great list. because it disappeared off of YouTube for okay. a, a length of I'll time. It. It's been a long time since I've thought to I, look for it. I know I have it somewhere on DVD. Was rip, there rip. like a title of the video? Red I think Hot it's called the, yeah Red Hot Guitar. Red Hot yeah. Scotty Anderson. So I used to work at a music store, and the music store used to rent. Starlicks videos oh. on VHS, and I used to, you know, I dare I say steal, but borrow some of those. But I, I used to get as many as I could, you know. Sure. Um, and I, I would just try to get that stuff as much as you can from everywhere, you know. I, it's, it's cool to be able to watch people break down whatever song you're trying to learn on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure you've done some of that, but that's not generally what you're doing. But like, there's something about buy, you know buying a guitar magazine and like somebody like oh, tab that shit out for you and like reading that shit. I remember something about that. I remember I had a Fender, a Fender Princeton chorus and a BC Rich. I had a couple of BC Riches back in the day. Put headphones on, headphone jack, and I remember when I found the Cowboys from Hell tab, and and when I worked that shit up. I thought I was the fucking shit because that's not an easy. It's riff. not easy, man. I remember I was work. I was on a. I was on a dime bag tear for a while. I mean, the solo for this love and cemetery gates. All that shit. What a unique that guitar is, player. That guy. He's my favorite metal guitar player. No one has probably ever like, sounded like him before or no. since. It was. I mean. It was like if Billy Gibbons was a metal player. Something about them. Uh, the Trinity Water. I don't know, man. And it's that. Pocket man, just like tons of feel and pocket, and just buried in the pocket. People always say blah 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 is a Texas thing. People in Texas feel like that. The you know, there's just something about the culture down there mm-hmm. that that's just how stuff feels. It doesn't matter what kind of a gig you're on. Everything like the good bands all feel great. Yeah, and. I, all of my favorite musicians, for the most part, like um, if I were to have to like yeah. give you my favorite three, yeah, they're all Texas guys, yeah. It's just you know, I, yeah, and I'm it's probably partially due to upbringing, you know, yeah, nurture I mean, versus nature, yeah. but it's it's the feel thing that that's that's my favorite. There was thing a time when I was listening to nothing but Randy Rogers. Band of Heathens, Hayes Carl, all Texas band. Like all great shit. I love Randy all Rogers that shit. band is extremely underrated. Oh my, my gosh, opinion. they're incredible. I mean, 
Great song. You know, I got to I got to work with Radney Foster, and the fact that I was one connection to them and the record he produced, I was like, this is freaking cool. I was like, this is what I want to play. Like, it's it's not Red Dirt, but you know what I mean. Like, Radney Foster it, you know, is a lot better than Randy Rogers, and I love both. Yeah. Radney Foster is a fucking legend. Oh, absolutely! Right? That no, is I, a fucking. Legend. I got to track a couple tunes with them with my friend Sarah Eiley and Matt Slahekta and um, on her record, and it was really, really fun. You know, good uh, stuff. We about yeah. We about out of time. I, oh, I know. I just uh, the screens up. Uh, yeah, the screen around. is backwards. So. <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh shit! You're, you're sorry. You're not out of time. Oh, okay. You guys got like. Well, 10, I know. I know that. You, I know well, that you've got a. Long I should probably day get tomorrow. going. I got to go to Sweetwater tomorrow. Which will be fun. More, more videos on the way from Corey. I'm sure. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do a live stream from Sweetwater. Corey, hit oh, us okay. hit us with that uh, the the website name. Yeah. Um, WorkingClassGuitar.com. And then you've got your your regular website. com. We'll certainly link. which you know will be you know sort of revised to be more fun. I'm I'm working on some music that will probably live there at some point. And uh, but um, yeah, just trying to. Build my little corner store in the corner of the world. Well, there'll certainly be links to that, as well as your Instagram and your YouTube channel, cool. and any other link that you want me to include. You can send. I'll send you that um, that link for uh, you can get thirty percent off. On oh the, yes, the VIP please, for please working do class guitar. And and if anybody's listening to this and they're like beginner or intermediate blues player, there's a lot of stuff on there. I was just gonna you know. say that. You a lot know, of your listeners probably are, are accomplished players, but I cater to those that are coming up. I, th- I think yeah. that it is actually a a wider net than I expected for it to cast. You know, Good. I, you know, I, we've done your episode number thirty two, so we, we've done thirty two, and that seems both like none and like a, a lot. lot. Yeah, but um, I mean, it's it's still pretty new, and I'm still figuring out exactly what it is that i am want it to be and, and you know what I, and what i'm Same doing thing with my youtube channel it, it kind of grows the way it should grow it kind of it's just like organism that you figure it out you know this uh this website looks great thanks and and that casino is beautiful yeah dude it's a pretty That's ass guitar Hell yeah. yeah no it was um i have a really uh amazing um marketing manager his name's steve burnside i would be nowhere without him um i met him three years ago and he said uh, let me build you a website. Not this one. It was my original website. And he started really mentoring me on what it took to build my YouTube channel and things like that. And I went from 2,500 subscribers to 40,000 in two years. Yeah, you're like, what, 47,000? No, nah, just over 40 right now. Is but it 40? Yeah, but it's, um, it ebbs and flows. And Is it 40.7? It's a, it was. It's 41. It just turned 41 while I was here. Okay, I, I saw so. There's a seven. I swear to God, it I saw it was. somewhere. It probably, but um, <laughs> it's a, that stuff is a long haul. It's a labor of love. You know? Well, totally. And you can definitely tell that you love what you do. It comes through uh, just sitting here playing guitar with you. It's like that sounds like a guy who fucking <laughs> loves playing guitar, which is definitely me and definitely yeah. London. And oh yeah, while we don't only have guitar players on here, it certainly is a lot of guitar players. Right, guitar players attract other guitar players. Yeah, we want we want we want to know your secrets, bro. <laughs> we I really appreciate you coming up here and sharing with us yeah, today. Dude. I'm glad it worked, uh, man. Me too. And so we'll there'll be links to everything we just talked about the. Working class guitar, all your website, Instagram, YouTube, 
follow this man, check his stuff out, learn from him, be better, keep jamming, keep practicing. Gear and beer next time. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Sometimes I'm good at talking. Other times. Thank you for listening to the Gear and Beer Podcast. Make sure and subscribe and turn on notifications for our channels. And if you haven't already, follow our Instagram and YouTube channels. We truly appreciate your support and ask that you please tell anyone you know whom you think might be interested in our podcast about gear and beer to help us grow and continue bringing in great guests from around the industry and beyond. Thanks again, and until the next episode.